Boilermakers earned a win in their opener Monday night, and impressively so, pounding Samford and Mackey Arena. Let's break it down, plus talk some football on Golden Black Radio. Kyle Charters here, Brian Newbert in a moment, then Tom Deanhart, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Brian, a solid opener for the Boilermakers on uh, Monday night. Uh, they won the opening tip, which was nice to see, and then they won the basketball game. Um, I thought Purdue played aggressive. Uh, I thought it played like borderline angry, which is, you know, I think a good way to play uh, basketball. And the result showed that uh, Purdue rolled to – maybe an easier than expected uh, victory against a, a quality mid-major opponent. Yeah. I don't know if we could have really set an expectation because Samford is like a lot of low and mid-majors where their roster is going to turn over every year. So comparing them this year to what they were last year is, you know, I'm not sure something we could do in advance, but yeah, Purdue was sharp, uh, really sharp. And they were, they gave a good effort. There was no sign of any sort of easing into things. There was no sign of any offseason hangover. There was very little game one sloppiness. Um, and, yeah, you just couldn't have asked for a whole lot more. You know, I think, as I wrote last night, I think, you know, what happened at the end of last year for Purdue gave a lot of these low and mid-major schools license to kind of come at Purdue's head yeah. in games like this. And I thought for a while there, Sanford kind of was. And, you know, not that Purdue should have flinched, but they, they sure as hell didn't. And uh, I think that's going to be one of the stories of Purdue's season. How do they handle this role as, you know, prohibitive favorite um, almost every night out? That's not a deal they've handled terribly well uh, each and every night the last couple of years. And now it's their every single night reality. Purdue did not seem to shy away from, you know, picking the tempo up a little bit against Sanford. Um, you know, they, 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 Sanford pressed the whole game and, um, you know, I'm not sure that it has the athletes maybe to, to really hassle Purdue out of that, but Purdue seemed pretty willing, uh, to take what was there and, and push the ball. We didn't always see that, uh, last year. Should we take something away from that? You know, Purdue's willingness to, to push it, uh, when it felt like that was there. Well, I think Lance Jones really helps them. Uh, I think yeah. that's an, another guy who, when he gets the ball on the open floor, he can make something happen. He can beat people one-on-one -on -one in the open floor. And I think just the empowerment of Braden Smith has a lot to do with this, too. I think Purdue's going to just tell him, not just with his jump shot, but with just every element of his game, hey, just go be aggressive. Yeah. And I think you saw once or twice where he just kind of went end-to-end. -end and I think he's got a really good thing going right now with Zach Eady like a really good thing, like a really good synergy with Zach Eady. And I, there's that one play where Smith just went, kind of went end to end and knew where Eady was going to be, threw it up. And I can't remember what it was. If it was a bucket or if it was a foul. But um, yeah. I think part of their tempo, uh, right? Well, right now they're also playing a lot of different lineups too. So um, sometimes your personnel is a little bit different out there. But I think the two biggest factors right there are your guards are better and more empowered and Lance Jones gives you another real tempo setter uh, in the open floor. 
Yeah, you really have to like how Braden Smith played. I mean, he just looks so confident in uh, in the jump shot. Um, you know, Matt Painter, I think early last year sort of had to prod him to be more aggressive uh, shooting the ball, but didn't get any of the sense of that last you know last night. Certainly, I mean, he he was confident. He was aggressive. Uh, he shot the ball. Uh, he did a lot of really things uh, well. I think if from a Purdue perspective, I, I don't think you would mind if he developed into being your second leading scorer on this team. Uh, and maybe there's a chance that that, that could be uh, what he becomes. But uh, when he's playing like that, it, it makes things work for the Boilermakers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And he's he and Fletcher Lawyer both are in kind of the same position. But I think Braden Smith maybe a little bit more because he's got the ball in his hands more. Um, but I think that he's a big part of your balance. He's a big part of what I've been talking about all offseason that Purdue was too top heavy last year. It was too built around one player. Yeah. And now having that other guy who's just putting pressure on defenses and really looking to score, who also happens to have this great chemistry with Zach Eady and the two can play off one another. It might take you back a little bit to Etwan Moore and Jawan Johnson in terms of Purdue's ability to just play through two guys. Yeah. Um, when they need to, and uh, he's just – the thing about last night, the threes he made in the exhibition games were all kind, kind of pull-ups off ball screens, and he's going to take a lot of those. Last night, he was shooting catch-and-shoot shots after he brought the ball up, gave it up, and then kind of went into a half-court set as somebody who Purdue was kind of running plays for. Yeah. Um, to get him shots it was kind of like Carson Edwards in that regard where Carson Edwards is a primary ball handler for Purdue but also as soon as he gave the ball up he became he became the two guard uh essentially and I think you're going to see some of that too with Braden Smith where he's gonna he's going to be the focal point of some of Purdue's sets too after he he the ball has left his hands and that's just sort of the multifaceted nature in which I think he can be a scorer for this team and you know, what will be interesting to see is is how people guard him. There were a bunch of times last night where guy on the wing came up to probably try to put a little bit more pressure on him coming off those screens, and that's why Fletcher Lawyer was alone in the corner a bunch of times doing jumping jacks, waiting for open threes. Um, so... Uh, you remember 2019 when it was basically a deal where you play the first five minutes of the game, you see how people are guarding Carson Edwards coming off screens, and then you just kind of go from there. So yeah, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna see Braden Smith do a lot of different things for Purdue this year. And I, I do want to mention too, don't forget about Fletcher Lawyer. I mean, we we talk so much about Braden Smith, but Lawyer was awesome last night too. Yeah, and I think Purdue, and I'm gonna keep hammering this home because I think it's important is do you know how hard it is to average 12 points a game as a true freshman in the Big Ten and be the second-leading scorer on a late team? Yeah. Like, I, I, I think that's kind of lost on people. And he's he's lined up, too, to make a pretty meaningful jump from one year to the next. You saw last night, four to six from three. Obviously, that doesn't guarantee he's going to shoot 66% this year from three-point range, but I think he's not – I don't think he's going to shoot 32 either. Yeah. You know, we're three games in, if you count the the charity and then the exhibition and then the regular season opener. Cam Heidi keeps coming off the bench as either the first or second guy off the bench, and then he also keeps being uh, productive. Uh, 
I guess for me at least, that should tell me that he's going to keep having a spot in the rotation. I mean, I thought that Monday night he was uh, really good and really impactful again in his minutes and gives Purdue uh, an element. And Miles Colvin does as well and had some some good moments clearly on on Monday night. Uh, but Heidi, you know, he he comes in there and is productive in in many different ways. You've got to like what you've seen from him early on this year. Yeah, what a revelation uh, so far. Yeah. You know, I kind of wonder if maybe he's not what Ethan Morton was to that team two years ago, where he's sort of that guy who can give you a little bit of everything off the bench, can give you uh, some real substance off the bench. Um, but no, he's he's what jumped out to me last night was just he just makes easy plays. Like he drives the ball when he should drive the ball. He shoots the ball when he should shoot the ball. Uh, there was that fast break where he just makes that very simple pass to Caleb first for the dunk whereas a lot of athletes who grow up conditioned to try to dunk the ball at all costs might have attacked the rim um he just he's rebounding like crazy and considering he might be playing against people who he can physically physically overmatch at times that's a big deal and uh he's just he couldn't ask for any more from him either uh he's just he's been really impressive there are a lot of teams in the past at Purdue where he would have been a starter and yeah. Miles Colvin would be a starter. And you've just got a lot of really good players on this team. I, yeah, I mean, I really like Heidi's game. I think he just comes in there, especially as a redshirt freshman, and does everything right, it seems like. I mean, at least right now. Well, just, uh, you know, he also, hits- also a redshirt freshman who hasn't played a game in like three years. Yeah. Yeah, it's just pretty impressive. Um, do you think that, you know, at the at the four position, Purdue's rotating a lot of guys in there. Does somebody need to step forward, or or do you feel like Purdue's getting the production there that it, that it needs to get? Well, I think Purdue's got three good players. I think last night it was a little bit of a quagmire because I think the game conditions were such that you could allow Will Berg to take some of those minutes at the five that Caleb First or Trakoff and Red would normally take. Yeah. So – it was kind of one of those deals where all three of those guys were pegged into the power forward position. And that's just not reality. Now is one guy head and shoulders above the other two. Um, that was probably the case this summer, but I don't know if it's been the case through these first couple of games, they want Trey Coffin ran out there to try to have another score on the floor. I think there's, again, there's going to be some settling in there with him and Edie playing together. Um, it's good to see him make two free throws. It was good to see him make his first three of the year yeah. uh, yesterday because it's important to put that on tape, for one thing. People have to respect him out to the three-point line in order to spread the floor. But I think that Matt Painter's response would be it's going to come down to who's the hot hand on that given night. But if you can't give guys robust minutes, how do they get a chance to become the hot hand? Yeah. That's kind of the kind of the question I would have and it could be a matchup deal but are they all that different that there's there's that biggest spectrum of possibilities in terms of matchups like what's the difference between Caleb first and Trey Kaufman Wren in terms of if there's a very distinct matchup you have to you have to respond to chances are it would be a smaller guy who would play on the perimeter like a fourth guard you don't have an ideal guy for that. So um, I don't know how they're going to do this, but I would expect first to play a lot of his minutes at center when Edie's not in the game. And uh, 
then it would be Trey Kaufman Wren and uh, Mason Gillis at the four. And, uh, you know, they have worked Heidi out a little bit there. I don't know if that's something they proactively go to, but it's probably, it might, it's something that's in the back of his mind at times too. But again, where are the minutes? You know, it's, here's one of those deals where once again, you know, you're, you're probably playing more guys than you want to, or you should be um, at the same position because you have, you have three guys who deserve it. And it's, it's, as I always say, um, you know, there are good problems they have that are still problems sometimes. And you just don't want to be distributing minutes in a way that holds all of them back. Uh, And it's awful early to be, speculating about that but it is something that it's going to be interesting to watch kind of moving forward yeah it is a good it is a good problem though too i mean they're they're just they're they're the other team whoever produced playing there's not going to be many minutes out there for that team to get a break right i mean you're you're it's not like purdue is subbing in guys and the the opponent can let its guard down for a minute um you know, Purdue had some weird lineups out there uh, on Monday night that you're probably not going to see as the season goes on, but there's just not a lot of let up for the opponent, um, and that's a good that's a good thing for Purdue, clearly. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same as it used to be, where Purdue would go from Zach Eady to Travion Williams, or from Isaac Haas to Travion Williams, or from you know, kind of guys like that. But again, Purdue's just got a bunch of good players and. I do think things are very different when Purdue's going to have first on the floor at center when Edie's out of the game because the because the the quotient of pressure that that position's going to put on you is going to be either significantly reduced or very different. Um, yeah. So I I don't know if it's quite that way the way it used to be, but yeah, Purdue does have a lot of good players. Uh, whether or not Purdue's going to run a ton of stuff for. Uh, anyone other than Trey and Ren at the four, I don't know. Uh, how much those guys are going to touch the ball within the framework of the offense, I don't know. But uh, that's up to them to figure out. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Let's take a break. We'll bring in Tom, talk a little football. We'll do that coming up next. This is Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. 
A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Now, Tom, the Boilermakers take on Minnesota back at home in ross Stadium uh, this weekend. You know, Purdue lost to, to Michigan. I don't think that's necessarily a, a shocker to anyone uh, over the weekend. However, you know, I, I think you, you do have to take at least some positive away uh, for the Boilermakers. Uh, and that Purdue is continuing to play hard, especially on the defensive side of things. It, it does seem like some things on that side of the ball are coming together. There are some offensive issues that Purdue has that, you know, to be frank, I'm not sure are going to get solved here over this yeah. last month of the season. Uh, but you have to take away, uh, at least in some regard, that Purdue continues to play hard and is and is playing better defensively. Uh, they're doing so in losses, unfortunately. Uh, but those are a couple of takeaways. Yeah, you're right. The defense, you know, they kind of got off to a rough start back in September. We all remember uh, some of the runs, long runs they gave up on those, court, from those quarterbacks. Fresno State and Syracuse, and um, they've kind of had it buckled down the last half part of the season here, right? And then against Michigan, just a team coming off by an offense that had been playing pretty well. Um, uh, you know, after the first three Michigan drives where they scored two touchdowns and a field goal, Kyle, the next six drives, uh, Michigan only produced three points. Yeah. And, you know, they had six red zone trips and, and, and they had to set up for two field goals. So yeah, after that sort of rough start, they uh, the defense played pretty well in a pretty tough environment. Uh, you know, Michigan also Kyle only had 110 yards rushing, which was I think their lowest output in the last last two years. So credit to the front as well of Purdue. So yeah, I mean the final score is 41 to 13, right? So um, sounds funny, uh, you know, talking up Purdue after a loss like that. But there are some things I think to talk up, like you alluded to, Kyle, especially on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and offensively, you know, Purdue's struggling. Uh, I don't think there's any secret about that right now. I don't know if there was any more of an illustration to some of the issues that Purdue is having up front than the fact that Gus Hartwig had to move from center to right tackle for a brief period. You just don't see that all that often, a center to right tackle mid-game move. I didn't even know Hartwig had any reps at that at that position yeah uh at all but it is telling sort of where purdue is from an offensive line perspective uh with the injuries that it's had up front and um you know it's created a situation where offensively in some ways Purdue's playing with a hand tied behind its back not a good way to play any time but certainly not a good way to play against michigan yeah that's called defcon one kyle yeah. To use a good 1983 War Games movie uh, reference. Um, yeah, the line, obviously, Moose is out, Bo's out, so you don't have your top two tackles. But it was starting an NAI guy in Ben Farrell and Daniel Johnson, who began his career at Kent State and has missed most of this year with a knee injury. They were your number one tackles up in Ann Arbor. And at one point, Johnson had to go out. And that's when Hartwig made the flip from center out to left tackle. And they brought in Austin Johnson to snap. Hartwig was still making the line calls even when he was playing tackle. I think it was for a series or two. So, yeah, just really showed his versatility. 
uh, and tells you that Purdue has no real legit number three tackle on the bench, right? Yeah. Uh, during during warmups, they had the other NAI kid, uh, McKay Coley, and they also have Ben Coons, who's like a fourth year walk on. So those are your number two tackles during warmups. I noticed. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's dire right now, my friend, and and thank God for Gus Hartwig uh, that they know they can flip him out on the edge if something happens because. They got three games to play here, buddy, and and he, as we know, things can happen still, and they, they got to try to keep this this line together because, as you noted, Kyle, this this offense, I don't think they're going to find any answers the rest of the way. Those will come in the off season, but they got to try to figure out some way to, to score some more points here if they want to try to get some of these wins over the last three games. Yeah, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Indiana. So you know the schedule in theory lightens up a little bit. In theory, I'm not sure it looks quite the same. You know, Minnesota obviously lost a, a tough one last week, but Northwestern has been fighting teams. Uh, mm. Indiana, despite really not being very good for most of the year, got a nice victory last weekend. But perhaps this is a, an opportunity uh, for Purdue to, to, you know, try to make some gains here and gain some momentum a little bit at the end of the season. Is that how you see it? Yeah, two and seven right now overall. You got three games left. Obviously, what five and seven um, can be your best case scenario. And I think back in August, if you'd have told me Purdue went five and seven, I said that sounds about right. I thought five and seven, six and six, and seven and five was probably their ceiling. So there's still that chance. Um, uh, these games look a lot more difficult uh, now than they did maybe a month ago, Kyle. I know Minnesota's struggling, but still, I think they've won eight out of the last ten against Purdue, and it's always a real close game, right? And they are coming off a tough loss at home to a pretty bad Illinois team. Um, so we'll see what their mindset's like. They're not quite the same Minnesota team we've seen in years past. They, they really struggle under center. They're not running the football quite as well as they typically have, but they are tough on defense. And then, you know, Northwestern's beat Minnesota, and they beat Maryland, and they almost beat Iowa last week. So I think most of us were going to leave Northwestern for dead after the Fitzgerald stuff, and they had to go with the interim head coach. But they're, they're showing a lot of spunk. And then IU, Tom Allen's probably saved his job. You know, he had that off week, change coordinator on offense. Uh, almost, well, they didn't almost beat Penn State, but they played Penn State real tough, right? And, of course, last week they dumped Wisconsin and Bloomington. So, yeah, but all, all three of these games are essentially toss-ups, and this would be a good litmus test see what Purdue's got down the stretch. And you noted from the jump of this, of this podcast, Kyle, that Purdue is still playing hard, which is a good sign. And they're going to need to keep doing that if they want any chance here to, to get some of these victories down the stretch. You know, you probably tracked this closer than I did. Uh, just watching from afar, it felt like Purdue started to roll some younger guys into the game a little bit. Did you get that sense also uh, on Saturday? And do you think that's a possibility here over the last three games? Yeah, Ryan Walters talked about that in the post game Saturday night and a little bit during his presser on Monday. Um, Zion, Zion Steptoe, the former receiver, is now cornerback, got some reps in Ann Arbor. Uh, we've seen more of George Byrne at the young tight end as well. Of course, Derek Rogers and Will Health and Dylan Thieneman have been regulars on defense as true freshmen, too. <laughs> so, those are some guys I think we could <clears throat> continue to see more of. Jerron Tibbs, the, the wide receiver. Excuse me, from from Cathedral. You know, he's been, he, we've seen dribs and drabs of him. Maybe we'll see more drawn tips because Mershon Rice is done for the season, according to Ryan Walters. He got hurt last week, and the status for Abdul Rahman you've seen remains iffy. So that receiving course thin. So again, maybe we'll see more drawn tips. So yeah, this is the time, right? 
for for young guys to sort of strut their stuff and try to try to mark their territory moving forward. You know, Ryan Walters still wants to win these games. He's not going to play youngsters just to play them. They have to earn the playing time, he said. But um, we could see, the again, some of the depth chart stuff start tilting towards more of these young guys here down the stretch as Purdue begins to turn the page to 2024. Yeah. All right, thanks, Tom. You bet, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.